McEwen wheels in front and was checked. The puck sat there for a moment. Now York is shot. Score! Cam York's first in the natural. And it's 2-1 Philadelphia. This is episode 99 of the Liberty, y'all. Danny Deemer here with Chris Stompo. As always, how are you, buddy? Listen, we have one month to go. We have one month to go until the action starts. Um, I'm really bored. I'm done with summer. I just want hockey and football, but mainly hockey to come back. And we're close. Absolutely. But it's nice to see the Mishkov highlights. How just, about you? Just going to say that. I mean, I understand we've got to wait at least another month before we start seeing at least training camp hockey. But, hey, we're getting our, our, our fair share of Mishkov highlights right now. Like, actual him playing in some preseason games, goal and assist, and then a shootout goal. I mean, that was just cool to see, man. And it's so cool to, to watch Mitchkov right now, one of the best prospects in the entire NHL, and know that he's ours. And that he wants to be here. I That feeling, I mean, we haven't talked since the draft, but the feeling of he's really here. And not only did we just draft him because he's Mitch Kov and you always draft best player available and you'll deal with the consequences later, but they really did their homework. Briere really did his thing. And Mitch Kov wants to be here. He wants to be in Philly. He wants to come here and win. It's so much different if we picked him with, like, the possibility of him not wanting to be here. You know what I mean? Like, if the Flyers just selected Mitchkov because Briere was like, hey, the talent was just way too much to pass up. We don't know if he actually wants to be here. Like, if the shutting down the skate zone didn't happen and him actually coming there and and and, and joining and, and, and seeing them and playing on the pool, uh, on, on the air hockey table and all that, if that didn't happen and they just picked him because, hey, you can't pass up on the talent, we'll deal with whatever later, then it's a completely different story. But that's not what happened. He wants to be here. They did their homework. They, they they snuck him in the skate zone. Like it's, it's it's so cool to 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 see and to to experience now, man. Uh, I'm really excited to get things going. Even though Mitch Cobb won't be there when training camp starts. And, and I mean this in a good way, but doesn't it feel weird that this yeah. happened to the Philadelphia Flyers? It feels like we get this shit end of the stick <laughs> every time. It feels like we have bad luck every time. And I saw, I think it was uh, BT. He tweeted. It was like we. Like, the Flyers won the lottery without winning the lottery. Absolutely. Like that's, it's just insane. And I kind of want to go back to what John Tortorella said in the middle of the year when all the media people were asking him the same kind of question, like, Tank, obviously, like, what are your thoughts on that? And I remember Tortorella coming out and saying, like, we're not going to tank. We're out. We're coming out here to, to prepare to win every game and do our thing. And the hockey gods, at the end of the day, will reward us. And everyone laughed at him, like, you're not going to get Bredard, and ha, ha, ha. And, yeah, that didn't happen, but, hey, we got rewarded for doing the right thing and, and not actually stripping it down to the to the steel beams like Chicago did and and do that. But, I mean, we sat here last year, developed players, watched guys like Morgan Frost, Cam York, Owen Tippett, Noah Cates, all take steps. And we got rewarded for doing it, man. Like, I, 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 I don't want to get into the – superstitious stuff but i mean seriously it, it really is cool how we just kind of stuck to our guns and, and and at the end of the day we got rewarded like we got arguably the best prospect in that draft you could we could sit here right now and argue that he's better than bedard because there's absolutely a case and i'm not just saying that because the flyers are at him. he's unreal he's an unreal prospect 
in his quotes, I want to win a Stanley Cup. I'm going to bring a Stanley yeah. Cup to Philly. The, the, the uh, orange and black shoes that he's wearing. I mean, you could feel it. It, it kind of feels like the Flyers version of Bryce Harper in a way. <laughs> it does. Honestly. Um, if Harper was Russian. <laughs> yeah. I was listening to an interview with Dan Hilferty. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that uh, he sat down with Gary Bettman and was asking for his advice. And I, I think that it's a great thing. I think good things happen to any organization that asks Gary Bettman for advice. He always kind of steers them in the right direction. Anytime a big organization's in a, uh, a low point, hitting mm-hmm. rock bottom like we were, if you go to Gary Bettman, just good things seem to happen for those organizations. Well, and I'm not I'm not saying he, like, finessed Mishkov here yeah. at 7, but I just think good things always happen when you, when you go to Bettman. What are some other organizations that have gone to Bettman and have had good things? I think Toronto, in the beginning of their rebuild, did it. Mm-hmm. There's some other ones, too. I mean, I, I really can't. That is interesting. New Jersey did it. I'm pretty sure New Jersey did it. Josh Harris, did uh, it. owner of the Sixers as well. I'm pretty sure he went to Gary Bettman for some advice. He also has great hockey people in his org. But He just bought the, uh, the Commanders as well, the Washington Commanders, Josh Harris. So he's got a lot of, yep. a lot of shit on his plate. But that's pretty but interesting. It, this is weird, but it, doesn't it annoy you that he has the Sixers, but then has the Commanders and then the Devils? Yeah. I mean, I it's don't like, actually like him at all. Like, I can't stand no, I, that dude. I agree. I'm glad you said that, actually, because <laughs> I, I totally agree. It's just like there's something weird about him, something like off-putting whenever yeah. I watch an interview. Absolutely. But I would but love dude, to have known what Dan's question to Bettman was, or questions, plural cool conversation that i would love to get in on i also yeah i also wonder when they happened so i wonder yeah. if they were like before the hiring process before the draft on the draft floor maybe i, w- I would like to know specifically where but do cutter gochier in the world junior summer showcase yeah stepping up he just scored again boys. he just scored again today i think 10 minutes ago i just posted it on tly if you guys want to go check it out on our page Kid's a beast, man. Like you said, man, uh, he's a, a man amongst boys right now. He, re- he really is. And he's playing center in that tournament as well. He's their 1C. So, it's just, he just keeps, I mean, Derek wrote an article. If you want to go check it out at the LibertyLine.com in the Flyers section, obviously. He was drafted fifth overall. And obviously, the expectations that we have for him now weren't there when he was drafted. But he has met and exceeded every expectation so far in his development that I have personally set for him. And to see him do what he's doing and then knowing that he has the guys in BC for his sophomore year that he has, I mean, Will Smith, Peralt, and then Leonard, he's going to play with one or two of those guys. So I think he's in line for a huge sophomore season and then eventually signing his ELC because there's no way he goes back for a junior year so. All things have been looking terrific with Cotagoche this summer and last year. Yeah, like, I mean, what he did at Worlds, I think that's yeah. what really stamped him, like to the national guys at least. Um, I mean, people already had him on the top prospect rankings, but I think that was the moment where they were like, whoa, he's he could be more than just a fifth overall pick here. I, I um, mean, not for nothing. Like People talk about Cotagoche like he was fucking – the 57th pick overall in the draft. I mean, this kid was top five. There's a reason why he went top five, man. Like, he's got the athleticism. He's got the build already as a young kid. 
he has everything you want in a in a, front, in a forward confidence, the shot, the skating, uh, the the power, the the willingness to to go into the corners with his body and and come out with the puck. He's just an extremely extremely impressive kid. Uh, Nineteen years old, man, and he's just like you said, he was in the world. Um, seven goals, two assists, nine points in ten games. I mean, it's incredible. So I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does coming up to uh, his sophomore season with the with Boston College, especially with those guys that I just listed. I mean, how exciting is it knowing that he will probably be on one of their lines, if not two two of those three guys? So it's so exciting for his development, and hopefully we'll see him in April. I really don't think we won't. <laughs> Dude, he's going to put up insane numbers this year, and he's going to come into the NHL with a ton of confidence. Just seeing- That's the hope. Just seeing what him and Mishkov are doing right now and during the summer is refreshing because, I mean, summers have sucked. I mean, at oh, least the time. last 10 years or so, they, they have sucked. They've been boring. And, I mean, this August is about, like, are the Flyers still going to try to get Maxime Rizzo? It's like, okay. I mean, I'm really glad to see <laughs> or have prospects that we can follow, and they're playing hockey right now in August. Cause I know. Because normally August is terrible. That said, makes it better. And September first and or second is Mitchkov's uh, season opener as well in the KHL. So look out for that. Especially TLY will be covering that the entire year. So if anybody wants to watch some Mitchkov highlights and geek out with us, head to our profile because we will be there <laughs> no matter what. That meme, we will be there no matter what. <laughs> it's gonna be fun, man. It's just, like like you said, it's fun having some kind of excitement in the middle of August because usually it's just filled with disappointment at this time. Like this time last year, we were like, oh, we're running it back? Cool. Thanks. <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on? Like, Chuck Fletcher was still the GM this time last year. Pretty sure Tony D'Angelo was already on the team. It's just, it's night and day compared to this time last year to this time this year. And I'm saying that I think they're going to go out and push for a playoff spot. But, I mean, they're going to be individual players that are going to hopefully take steps this year. One of them is Cam York. Uh, I really do think he's I – mean, we'll talk about him later, but I really do think he's going to take that next step and, and really prove himself as a top-two defenseman in the NHL. I know he's only 22, 23 years old, and he's still got a lot of time to develop into what he's going to become. But I have just the utmost confidence in that guy, and so does everybody who's involved with TLY. I'm, me, you, Derek, Zach, everybody – the skating, and everyone points out the the height and the and the size, which I, I mean I really don't think it's that big of a deal. The kid's like five eleven, has some great weight to him, solid fucking kid, and just elite stick, elite skating, elite IQ. I mean I'm not saying that he's fucking him a car, but I, I just I, I have the utmost confidence in him being a top two guy for us when we're ready to compete. I really do, I, I, and that's not even mentioning the change to number eight. The the change to number eight automatically makes him elite. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> So the fact that we have that along with just an impressive build so far. I mean, he played next to Provorov last year on his offside, and he still looked pretty good. I mean, corralling pucks on your backhand when you've never played on the right side before in your entire life is a pr- in the NHL, to add, is a pretty hard thing to do. So he's the main guy I think I'm looking at. I mean, you got Brink, who I think is kind of a... Not undercard. I don't know what word I'm looking for, but I feel like nobody's talking about Brink right now because of that that injury. And obviously, other prospects have have taken over the excitement, if you will. 
Kota Gauthier and, and obviously Mitch Kopp. But I, mean, I really do think he's still a player that a lot of people forget about who could be a really good second, third-line guy um, in our system. Like a, a Scott Lawton-type Swiss Army knife, but better, if you will. I mean, you watch that guy. He played in the World Juniors a couple of years ago, and he played behind guys like Zegers and, and Turcotte and Kaliev and, and Boldy and all those guys. And he was asked to play a grinding, checking, PK-type role on the third line, and he was incredible that entire tournament, especially in that gold medal game. And he had, like, three block shots that helped Team USA get gold. And people tell me on Twitter a couple of days ago that he isn't good defensively. He can't skate. I mean... Like, do these people watch the games, or do they just go to fucking elite prospects and look at his stats and see that he only had like twenty eight points in forty games in the AHL, coming off a torn label? Like, I, I had a guy tell me a couple of days ago that a torn label isn't that big of a deal of an injury. Like, I, I don't understand where these people come from. I really don't. Well, they don't watch the games. Yeah, no. can't. I mean, if that's what you admit say, that. those are the same people that'll say like, oh. Morgan Frost sucks and he shouldn't get extended, <laughs> but I didn't watch last year. It's like, oh, you didn't watch the year he broke out and finally found his identity as an NHL player? And when it comes to Cam York, I mean, you said it best. Like, in the small sample size that I've seen of him in the NHL, playing mm. in his the right side, nonetheless, not even his natural yeah. position, and just the turmoil in the organization altogether with how bad of a team we were, I mean, it's impressive what I saw think he can only build on it i mean if he gets to his natural position gets the proper playing time i think he's and the team's only going to get better i just i think he's going to develop into a stud yeah and for us i mean we said it right when the season ended going into the summer obviously it's not the actual top priority in the offseason obviously that was unloading a couple of guys but i mean subtly my top priority which automatically came with the Provorov move was getting him back to that strong side. It really was. And the fact that Tony D'Angelo, who takes power play time, is gone. Kevin Hayes, who also takes power play time, is gone. JVR, who also takes power play time, is gone. And all those puck touches, like Derek said a couple days ago, are going to go to younger guys. That power play time is going to go to either Cam York, Sanheim, or Andrea if he makes the team. The Hayes puck touches are going to go to Frost, to uh, Faraby, somebody else. And then the JVR touches are going to go to probably Cates, who is insanely good at deflecting pucks in front of the net. So I think he is our new net front guy. So just ju- just the fact that we've given the ch- kids a chance, not to just get playing time, but the puck touches are extremely important. And we've taken three seriously important guys. Not to... not to winning games, but in terms of touching the puck on a power play. JVR, D'Angelo, and Hayes were just three guys who had the puck a lot and thought they were him when they did have the puck. So getting them out and allowing Frost, York, Andrea possibly, Brink, all these younger guys to, to, to get puck touches, especially on the power play, is vital. I mean, it's it's awesome. It's, it's, it's one of the best things Briere did without actually doing anything, if that makes sense. Like, all he did was move a couple guys, but with moving those guys comes with younger guys getting puck touches. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how York and all those guys deal with increased puck touches, which I think personally is only going to help York. I mean, he's a power play wizard. He really is. I, he, he could run a power play on his sleep, in his sleep, if we're being honest. So, 
extremely excited to see that, man. I'm extremely excited just just to get hockey back, you know? Yeah, all I mean, dude, all those names you just mentioned, like how refreshing is it to not see them play hockey for the Flyers anymore? It's like awesome. just that alone, just the subtractions alone. I'm excited for this season because you know those puck touches are going to tip it, Frost, Cates, your like all the young guys are going to get more ice time to develop. And Absolutely. to be honest, the way they performed in the back half of last year, like when you go back and watch it now, like I was so miserable last year that I couldn't admit it to myself. But when I go back and watch it now, like they were pretty impressive towards the end of the year. Like they battled. No, they and were. They were really starting to find their identity, and they were hard to play against. And not saying they're going to be. Elite yeah. this year, but that's you can only build on that, I would think. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean they're all young players, man, and they're all going to get increased puck touches, like I just said. So it, it, it's only a good thing. And even if, even if these increased puck touches result in us finding out that somebody isn't as good as we thought they were, or or blah blah blah, that's still a good thing. You know what I mean? Like finding out things in a rebuild in that way is important to the rebuild. Knowing that this guy maybe isn't a part of your core or maybe isn't a part of your future, but you thought he was a year ago. It's important. And to find those things out is to get those guys the, that those puck touches. It really is. And I'm just extremely excited that Hayes is no... Like, Zach had me crying a couple of days ago. He tweeted something out. <laughs> I think it was a gif for somebody, like, all shocked and crying, excited. And the caption was... When you're watching the Flyers and you see number 25 on the ice and it's not JVR. Yeah, yeah, so <laughs> and it's Hathaway who has uh, 25 now. A guy who actually hits somebody while uh, they're forechecking. A guy who cool. uses his size in a positive, yeah. efficient way for the hockey team. Absolutely. And now I'm not saying that every big guy has to be this guy who checks and blah, blah, blah. And I know that JVR wasn't a dude who used his who used physicality in his game, but god damn, that dude never did anything physical. I have never seen that dude do anything physical except except give somebody a face wash or something. Like, he, even battling for pucks in the corner, it's just, oh, let me try to stick lift. That didn't work here to take the puck. It's just, I'm excited to watch a guy in number 25 jersey body somebody, dude. Just, just body <laughs> someone, man. I, I really am. I don't give a fuck if that makes me sound like a fucking... Uh, and I don't even know what to say. A fucking old head. Oh, I just want to see hitting and then finish no, the you, you need just, that. Yeah, you just, need that. Watch the, yeah, you watch the playoffs. You know. I yeah, mean, you I, see it. Like, like every team that wins, I mean, they finish their checks. Yeah. <laughs> That's I'm not how saying, you win. I'm not saying Tage Thompson has to go out there and start bodying people. But, like, you know what I'm saying. JVR, just there's no kind of physicality in his game. And, and for a dude that big... Hey, I'm not asking you to fucking throw yourself around like Wade Allison, but my god damn, man, make it look like you're trying. I mean, I know he is. It's a, it's a weird line that I'm trying to walk right now that I just has been in my head since I've watched that dude play hockey for the last 10 fucking years of my life, which is insane to think about, man. He's finally got Boston. He guarantee you he scores 33 in Boston next year. I guarantee you. I don't you even care. Listen, no, I don't, I don't even because I know they'll be ugly. And listen, there's, I know there's going to be people going through the blah, blah, blah. He wouldn't have scored it here because I've seen it. He wouldn't have scored it here. He'll sit on a power play and, 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 and deflect David Posternock clappers. Yep. Enjoy that, my man. And McAvoy on the back end. He will get his fair share of goals, especially on the power play this year. He'll be in the top six. So he'll either be playing with Posternock or... Who else did I got over there? I mean, their top six is pretty brutal now. Now that Bergeron's gone, to be honest with you, I think their their two C is somebody that 
I would not want as my two C. I kind of let me go check real quick. But and he's got to prove himself again to get paid. Like, yeah, he's he gonna come out and perform. He ain't this year. getting anything remotely close to what he had with Philly. After oh his. no, I'm saying like just any player who's on like a one or a two year deal, that extra motivation is just there. Like if you're in a contract oh, year, you you turn up. So let's look at this. Uh, Boston's roster: David Pasternak. They got Marshawn, obviously Charlie Coyle, Pavel Zaka, DeBrusque, Trent Frederick, Morgan Geeky. They brought Milan Lucic back. Van Riemsdyk, Patrick Brown, Jesper Boquist, and AJ Greer. That's their forward core right now. So their two C is who? Fucking Pavel Zaka. Yeah, looks like it. Or Charlie Coyle. <laughs> I mean, I would like to sit like that. Sounds horrendous. I would like to sit here and say that oh the Bruins are dead, but nah, they're, they're back in. I believe it when I see it. They're back in. I believe it when I see it. Back end is way too good for them to be dead, and you still have David Pasternak and and and, and Brad Marchand who are two superstars. So that division is tough, though. And I think it's only going to get harder. Is it weird to say that I'm kind of glad we're in a rebuild right now? <laughs> because we would no, I'm excited, not be dude. Competing. This is why I liked I, all the things that we just mentioned in the last 10, 20 minutes. That that is why I wanted a rebuild because yeah. you actually feel like you're making progress. Like this year, we both can admit, Flyers are absolutely there's zero no, percent chance they win the Stanley Cup, and there's like a ten percent chance they probably make the playoffs. Maybe even less than that. I think even less than that. For but sure. like three you percent, know, and that's if like. All the top Metro teams get a bunch of injuries, but that's if Couturier comes back and he's like a god again, and and, and Atkinson comes back and he scores thirty goals, and every young player that we have takes extreme step for like Frost turns into an eighty point player. It, it would have to be insane shit that would happen, but not totally out of the possibility. Like it could happen. I don't think they're going to be as. Here's my thing. I don't think they're going to be as bad as people think they're going to be. I still think they're, they're I still think they're going to be bad, but not bottom five bad. Especially if Carter Hart plays. Because we but still the have beauty that. of the rebuild is just like it, it doesn't even matter. Like whether yeah. like they perform above expectations or below, it feels like kind of a win win either way. It's just the steps they take. Like looking at individual performances. Like if Cam York takes another step. Yeah. I mean, if Morgan Frost takes another step and then Faraby gets back to form, Tippett continues what he's doing, and Cates maybe finds more of an offensive game, just some stuff like that, then we could I, I could see us being really happy with that. And then Gauthier joining the mix oh my God. maybe towards the end of the year, if not getting an ELC joining the next year. How many times have we talked about – I mean, this is totally a fake scenario, obviously, but if they were somewhat – in the playoff race in like eight Yeah, just in the mix. You know, and like then, it's a possibility type. And then Cutter joined. <laughs> We're all here for that. I'd be like, okay, I wanted the rebuild, don't get me wrong, but uh, I'm all in for the push to the playoffs, baby. Let's roll. <laughs> I, I would not give up. If they were like eight points out of a playoff spot and, and, and Cutter signed and there were still like 15 games left, which is would and, and not then scores in his debut from a frost pass. What would you do? From from on the power play from a, a York to Frost to coach. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! Look at us just sitting here trying to 
come up with fake scenarios, man. It's the beauty of the rebuild, though. See, you can't do this when your team is mediocre. There's no yeah. light at the end of the tunnel at all. Zero. I mean, I mean, this dude, is, I, said, I, so said it, I said it 15 minutes ago. This time last year, where were we, man? We were we, we were sitting here in like doom and gloom because we knew that the direction that they were going in was to a, a dead-end street. It was Chuck Fletcher just putting Band-Aids on things this time last year, man. It was really just... It, Night and day, like I said 15 minutes ago. It really is. It just going into the season knowing that guys that you want to get puck touches are going to get the puck touches, and the guys that you didn't want here anymore are not here. Provorov, Hayes, JVR, Patrick Brown, McEwen, Lemieux's not coming back. Like, get those guys out and let the kids play, man. Like, we're in the rebuild. Let's do it. Hathaway, I think, is a great ad. I think he's going to be fun to watch. I don't understand the people that were complaining about him. Delorier, obviously gonna be a fun fourth line to watch to be honest with you man like we're in a rebuild man i'll, I'll gladly watch a fourth line with fucking delorier polling uh pay oh, i just butchered his name dank is gonna come after me for that one <laughs> um and then hathaway on that line that's gonna be fun as shit like i don't even give a fuck let me just see 18 checks a shift like who, who gives a fuck i'm in you know? In a weird way, that yeah, I think this team's gonna be fun to watch. Me too. I think like, they're gonna have like a. They're gonna they're gonna suck, but they're gonna be fun to watch. <laughs> like, like, they're, they're not gonna, gonna be entertaining. Be, they're not gonna be the most skilled team in the world, but they're gonna be entertaining to watch in terms of a identity standpoint. Like they're not gonna have like they're not gonna let anybody push them around. Which I mean, you don't want that to happen, especially when you got kids that are developing in your on your team. I mean, if Forrester's on this team, which I mean, I don't see why he wouldn't be unless he hasn't. An awful camp, dude. They just posted his number change. Yeah. on the he's he's the here. What's up with how he went from? What was the number he had? Hold on, let's eight, eighteen. Eighteen, and then we signed Mark fucking Stahl of all people, who had to have eighteen and took it away from one of our best prospects. Like I don't, obviously, it's not that big of a deal to to complain. Yeah, because I like seventy one better. Honestly, me too. I think I, really I just do. think it looks cleaner. On I like, I want to see a number seventy one hitting a one timer bar down. Me I just too. think that looks nice. Uh, speaking of uh, number changes, let's go through them real quick. I have them right in front of me. So, obviously, Forrester, 71. Noah Case is now 27. Very nice. Ronnie Adderd is 23. Wade okay. Allison is 17. We knew that. Cam York is now number 8. I Beautiful. love that. That's my favorite Gold. number change, man. <laughs> Igor Zamula is number 5. I like that, too. And then these are just the new numbers. Uh, you got Cal, Pe- uh, Cal Peterson. He's 40. Uh, Miller. Not Miller. Walker. Sean Walker. He's 26. Um, Paling? Is, this, is that how you say it? Paling? That's how I would say it. Paling? Okay. He's 25. We just talked about how he has JVR's number now. Um, Hathaway. I Early in the podcast, I said Hathaway had 25. It's actually Paling and... Hathaway has 19, so he takes Broussard's old number, and then obviously Mark Slaw with 18. So those are the the new numbers, and then the the number switches for this upcoming season. Are you, yeah. su- are you surprised there's no Frost change? No, no, because didn't he say you said last year he liked it, right? Yeah, apparently, I forget where I read it from, but Morgan was t- no. This was before Briere became the interim GM. He was talking about how Briere was such a such a a top guy in Frost's ability to kind of turn things around. Like Briere was really just kind of hip and hip with him, going through things, watching tape together, and apparently Briere was the one 
at first Morgan wanted to change 48, but Briere was apparently like, hey, I think you should keep it. It kind of fits you. And personally, if fucking Danny Briere tells me to keep a number, I'm keeping a number. Yeah, And, and especially if it was GM. his number, when he played in Philadelphia and he's telling me to keep it, yeah, I'm keeping it. Yeah, 100%. That's why I wasn't surprised. And now he's the GM. I think Morgan Frost has a ton of respect for Danny Briere. Yeah. It almost feels like like it's a badge of honor to have his number, and um, it's kind of cool. I don't know. I, I've uh, warmed up to it. I I wanted Frost to change for a little bit, but I like it, especially now that Frost found his groove in the yep. back half and really starting to find his way. It's just, I don't know. It fits. Let's talk about Morgan and Danny. Let's talk about him. Cause Let's we talk have about it. all the RF. Well, the RFAs that got extended. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. So we got Cam York. Cam York and Noah Cates both got two year deals. So. I mean, I kind of expected all three of them to get it, but now it kind of looks like they're trying to lock it. I mean, I don't have any kind of inside information, but this is just my gut saying that if he's not, if you can't get a two-year deal done, that's got to mean they're trying to go length, right? 100%. If it was a bridge, it would have been done around the time of the other two. You would think because, so. Because a bridge doesn't take much uh, compromise. It's kind yeah. of like both sides know what a bridge, like you, you know what I'm saying. Both sides know what you're getting yeah. when you go to the table with a bridge deal. Um, but it gets a little trickier with a long-term deal because you, you bring in the fluctuation and the cap potentially going up, what a player could be worth in a couple years. Yeah. Buying some of those make, UFA yeah. years. There's a lot you of start things. start making comparables. It gets a lot more complicated. I'm sure that's what his agent's pointing to. I mean, hey, the cap's going up right now, and you want to buy a couple year of his, uh, a couple of his UFA years because he'd probably hey. want to go up. And I'm sure his agent's saying, like, he's just getting started. Like, he hasn't even shown you his best hockey yet. Like, what Hopefully. What you saw in the final third. Yeah, absolutely, hopefully. But you know his agent's saying that. It has to. To hype him <laughs> up. He's like, look at the last 30, 40. I mean. I mean, he's got a point, man. It wasn't just a fucking 15-game stretch that a lot of people would like the, the clown on, the people that are pointing out that, hey, the, since January fucking 1st, Morgan Frost was the, one of the best players, probably the best player on the team. Um. But Noah Cates, two-year deal. He makes two point six two five a year. Uh, Cam York got the same, not not, not the same two-year deal, but same two-year length at one point six a year. So Noah Cates at two point six two five and Cam York at one point six. Those are the deals. I love the York deal. I thought yeah. he'd get more, to be honest with you. But it's just a two-year deal, like you said. And a lot of these guys are betting on themselves, which I don't blame them. I mean, if I'm Cam York and I'm seeing the caps going up in a couple years. And he's got confidence. We all know that. So um, betting on himself is not the worst move in the world. But looking at our defensive core right now, it's pretty fucking brutal, dude. It is oh, yeah. brutal, dude. It's Travis Sandheim, Rasmus Mr. Linen, Sean Walker, Cam York, Marstall, Nick Sealer, and Yegor uh, Zamula. Holy fuck, that's bad. It's very bad stuff. Like, that kind of bothers my eyes bad, dude. But it's it's cheaper bad. Last year <laughs> yeah, more exactly. more expensive bad. Like you just said, it's cheaper bad. Like I won't I don't care if I'm watching a defense that sucks if I'm tanking and they're making nothing. But Travis Sanheim is gonna suck next year, man. I really don't have any kind of confidence that he's just gonna flip a switch and become this defenseman that we've never seen before. I mean the kid's twenty no, he's not a kid. This dude's twenty seven years old, man. I mean, why like, wh- Why are we talking about Travis Sanheim like he's Cam York's age? 
like he's 22 years old and he's still got time to develop into the player that he's going to be. Travis Sanheim has been playing hockey since I was fucking 15 years old, man. I turned 24 in like two weeks. And we're talking about oh, we still got time to develop into the defenseman that he always could be. No, no, he's, he, he's not awful, but he's not good. <laughs> he's just, uh, in my opinion. Like, I, he's just, uh. That's what I think of when I think of Travis Sanheim. Ugh. I mean, the, the guy's played for like five different head coaches. <laughs> yeah, at dude. This point. And has never seen a power play once. You got all these people. Why you have never thrown power, San, Travis Sanheim on the power play? Well, he's gone through fucking 18 power play coaches, and not one of them has consistently put him on the power play. So maybe there's a reason for that. I don't know. I don't know. That's just a wild fucking guess. The dude has never been consistently on the power play, has he? We've, we've seen him there on a fucking wall for a couple games. Like, who puts, who, 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 who sees Travis Sanheim and is like, yup, his skill set best suits a fucking wall on a power play. Like, I don't, how do these people have jobs, man? Like, it's, it's incredible to me. I, I don't want to shit on him too much, but I don't see him being here past 2024 or 2025. I really, like, apparently he's not happy about the fact that he was supposedly in trade rumors over the summer. I saw that and on Twitter a couple times, but, I mean, who gives a fuck, dude? Who really gives a fuck? I mean, I, the last GM gave you that deal. You're acting like Briere himself handed you that deal and then turned around and said, hey, we're looking to trade you to fucking St. Louis. You know what I mean? It's, look around you, man. <laughs> like, God forbid you get put on a hot seat. I mean, we've Ooh, been You've been, been gliding for shit. fucking seven years. <laughs> And now, you've been gliding for seven years, you were handed an eight-year deal with a no-move clause for the first three, four years, and you want to bitch that we want to uh, trade you. It's like, Jesus but dude, That's how I know shit's changing around here. That's how I know this Love new it. regime's actually about business, because in the past, I mean, we've begged for that. Mm-hmm. We've How many times have we sat here in March, April of a season and been like, I want no one to feel safe in the offseason, <laughs> yes. and then they're all safe. Every time, they were all safe. Like, and the slightest bit of adversity in the organization for Travis Sanheim, and he was shook by it. And that tells me all I need to know, that this has never happened before. And it should have happened a long time ago. I mean, he's 27. That's <laughs> what I'm saying, dude. He's not, 20, he's not 23 years old. Like, I have people genuinely talking about him like, oh, he'll develop into a play. He's got time. I mean, could he get a little bit better? Sure. But, I mean, I've watched this. He's a great skater. Fantastic skater. I, I will not take that away from him, but he'll enter a blue line with like the most speed I've seen a defenseman besides Kale McCarr and like Miro Heiskanen. I mean, he can skate, but it's just right after he enters the blue line, it's either a shot that gets deflected up to the net or section two twelve, or he just gets completely bodied off the puck. It's just it's one of he's never consistently been good to the point where I could be confident in him being a fixture here for the next six, five, six years. Does that make sense? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, we've seen what we need to see. His prove-it years are kind of long gone. Like, can he still have a nice, decent year and show us something that we haven't seen? Yeah, but is it at a level that deserves an eight-year commitment? Yeah. I don't believe so. Like, the actual money he's making isn't bad. 6.25 for Travis Sanheim, who can play in your top four with the cap going up in a couple years. That's not bad. It's really not. And it's tradable. A team will 100% trade for that. So, like I said five minutes ago, I do not see him being passed. If if Briere is looking to trade him the first year he has the wheel, 
then you cannot convince me that he's not going to look into the future of trading. Like maybe not now, maybe not this trade deadline, but maybe next summer he walks in, he calls Travis Anheim, hey, you willing to waive that no move clause, man? Like I, who who, who knows? But if I were Briere, honestly, the pitch would be like, dude, <laughs> it, it, both sides clearly like the fit isn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. Both sides could use a change of scenery, and not only that, we aren't going to win in the near future. You're 27, 28 years old. Like, do you want to waive this and I can send you to a team with a better chance of winning? Like, he could frame it in a way that's not, like, even disrespectful. He could just... Oh, absolutely. Business is business and, hey, go on to... It, the timeline doesn't fit. Yeah, this, and, is, this is just a kid from Delco complaining about him. I'm not saying this is how Briere is going to fucking say it to him, but I think it's absolutely a way that you could get it across without him, without being disrespectful. I hope he does. <laughs> yeah. Maybe in a couple months. We'll see. I don't know. It, I think it's going to be hard during the season. Yeah, I don't think it happens during the season. I think that's that's, yeah. a, that's a trade that happens in the off season. It could be honestly could be like two years from now when the cap goes up ten mil, mm-hmm. and it's just easier to finesse that, and he waves it. Exactly. There's there's, oh, there's going to hundred percent be a team with the cap going up that looks at Travis Sanheim and goes, "Yeah, I'll pay him six point two five for the next five years for sure." Because I don't even think you'd have to eat anything in that deal. I think you would just have to take something back that's not exactly what you would want back, but is good enough. It suffices, you know? So we'll see where they go with that. Um, I'm going to butcher his name. So, Dank, if you're listening to this, you're you're welcome, I guess, because you love when I do this. But Alexis Gendron, Gendron, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, but he was signed to an entry-level contract. That's something that we did not cover uh, on July 25th. K- Kolosov as well. Kolosov, yeah, but we let him back to the KHL. So he'll be back there this year, but be back with us next year. So that's awesome. Very Kolosov. exciting to see that put in motion, yeah, to see I, that, that process begin. He's Very one excited. Of the best KHL goalies in the in the world right now. So I could even go out on a limb and probably say he's better than Fedotov, which that whole situation is still weird as yeah. fuck to me. Dude, so, with, with Fedotov, <laughs> it's like we – People, fans, we, we got to give it up. We I don't have even, to give it up. I, I don't even know what's happening anymore, to be honest with you, Dan. I don't even think he wants to play in the NHL. Like, I think he's content with playing in Russia, making Russian money. He's 27. Like I, I I don't even think he has an itch to come play for the Flyers like that. Genuinely, the, the, but that, that's just me speaking. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, but Gendron, if I don't know if I'm butchering his name, it's a guy that me and you have talked about. Not just me and you, but me, you, Derek, and Zach over the past year. I mean, he was really good in the queue last year. So, uh, 29. He got traded in the beginning of the uh, – at the end of the season. Mid, mid-season trade from the – I don't know how to say it. Blaineville Armad. I don't even know how to say that. But he had uh, 22 goals, 12 assists, 34 points in 29 games with them. And then got traded to the uh, – I can't say any of these names, man. I'm going to sound – like a dumbass if I even try to pronounce these. They're terrible. But if you want to go see what team you got traded to, just go look it up online. It's G-A-T-I-N-E-A-U. Like, I don't even know how I would begin to try to pronounce that. Um, Wait, Gatineau? Ga- oh, there you go. Gatineau Olympics. Olympics. Yeah, that, that was Giroux uh, Jr. How do you say Olympics? Oh, yeah, Olympics. So after the, the transfer there... He had 33 goals, 14 assists, 47 points in 34 games. 
and then he had 14 more goals, 19 points in 13 playoff games. So that's a total of 69 goals, 100 points in 76 regular season and playoff games. So not, I mean, it, it is the QMJHL. So I'm not saying he's the next coming of fucking Mitchkov, but it's still going to be extremely cool to see him play in the AHL next year. See what? Yeah, it's just it's just the pipeline's getting deep. Is what yeah, it is. Like, it, you're you're watching it just build in real time, and it's exciting. Like he's obviously not at the top of the pipeline, but no. But having guys like him and, and filling up your system the way that we are in this first year or so is it's nice to see. And he's a late round pick too, so getting anything out of him is is what what do we say, Danny? The cherry on top. <laughs> House money. House money, baby. So. Same with Daynoye too. Yeah, Daynoye is a. I honestly, Drendrone is a little bit more of an offensive player than Desi is, but for Drendrone being a 220th overall pick in 20, uh, 2022, I mean the fact that he's even signing his ELC now is 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 awesome to see, man. Yeah, it's just a W. Let's see how much of that goal scoring can translate over to a pro league from the QMJHL. He's got some. He'll definitely be scoring goals. How much is, is to be seen. But, I mean, he really attacks the inside of the ice really well, especially on the rust, uh, rush. Got a great wrist shot. Uh, not the biggest guy in the world, but I'm excited, man. I, like you said, the the, the pipeline is, is slowly kind. Sorry if you hear something in my... I don't know if it's, like, fucking laughter from my neighbors. I don't know what's going on there, but... Um, just for the pipeline to kind of get deeper and deeper, it's, it's exciting to watch. I mean, you still got Bobby Brink, who I mentioned in the beginning of the episode. People don't stop talking about him. People have not talked about Bobby Brink at all, and I still think he's going to be a really, really good player for us. Not like top-line, first-line player, but I really think he's going to be a Swiss Army knife that can play up and down our lineup, ask him to do, ask him to kill penalties, ask him to go on the power play, ask him to just play 5-on-5. Five five. I think he, he can do all of it, so... Now that he's fully healthy, he's got a chance to make the team out of camp. Him, Forrester, Andrea. We didn't even talk about Andrea yet. So there's a lot of exciting things to look forward to this season. Now you got a lot of people who are always saying, oh, it's a, it's, a, it's a rebuild season. What's the point of even watching? There are so many reasons to watch this year. There are so many individual team reasons, team building reasons to watch this year. Like I said, Andrea could possibly make the, the team out of camp, and his situation is a little weird because if he doesn't make the NHL out of camp, he goes back to the SHL. And what does he have to prove there? Nothing. Absolutely nothing to go prove back, of the S, uh, back in the SHL. So either make the team or figure out a way to get him back in the AHL because going back to the SHL, I really feel like it's just pointless for him. Don't think there's anything for him to gain. How do you feel? No, I agree. Especially with the way he dominated development camp. I know you shouldn't put too much stock in development camp, but I think the kid's ready. I mean, he's been playing against grown men. Grown men. For years now. And I don't know, he breeds confidence. Like I, There was just a different air about him this time around that I, you could just kind of get the sense that he's ready. Yeah. My favorite. He seems really confident. He seems comfortable. That, that, I guess that's the word I want to use. He, he seems comfortable with North America now. He just seems comfortable every time he hits ice, man. I, I hate comparing every small defenseman who moves the puck to Kimo team in him, but he really gives me Kimo vibes. He gives me Kimo who will, who will jaw you in the shoulder vibes. You know, I mean, yeah. 
You know what I mean? Just run you. Because he really, he throws his weight around for a guy who's not that big. Throws his weight around like I've never seen a, a smaller defenseman do. So it's going to be really fun to see him in the in the corners throwing hits. Like he's what Provorov, I thought Provorov was going to be. Like I saw Provorov in Brandon in the WHL just throw con- like hip checks after hip checks and just blowing people up. And I'm like, I'm so excited to get this this puck moving defenseman who can contribute in the offensive zone who also blows people up in the defensive zone. But, like, we saw Provorov do that, like, once a year when he first came into the league and then just stopped doing it. But I really do think Emil Andre is going to be a guy who throws his weight around a ton. Because he does That's it. why I think it's such a benefit that he's played in leagues with just grown men all the time. Because I feel like that just has to come naturally. You have to adapt that way. You have to be physical. And you have to get bigger. Yeah. And just be feisty. And I feel like nothing but positives can come out of that. Hold on. Do, do you hear a trumpet in the yeah, back? Yeah. What the actual fuck am I listening to right now, dude? <laughs> I have never heard that once in the in the 12 years I've been living in my house. And now that I do a podcast outside, somebody starts to do play a trumpet? <laughs> do you hear this? What <laughs> is good. this? Pretty good it's, at it. it's not bad at all, but like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Let me know if that gets annoying. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck, dude? They're going crazy, I'm bro. I'm picturing somebody lie. just, like, on their porch with, like, a backboard in their mouth. Squidward shit, dude. <laughs> Squidward just going shit. crazy. Um, but, no, Email Andre is definitely a guy that, I mean, I said Brink going into training camp, but he's really a guy I'm looking at for, hey, he, he, he could do something. He could make the team out of camp. He could force Pierre to trade one of Sealer or... Or Zermula, or or Stahl, but he just signed Stahl, so I don't see him trading him. But he could really force Briere's hand in this upcoming training camp. Dude, our scouting team and our drafting process over the last couple of years has been nothing short of impressive. Like even when Chuck first came on board, actually before that, our our just scouting team in general and our drafting process has been much improved for a good little bit now, and it's nice to see. What did you say to me about Flair a couple days ago? About how he was just kind of in the middle of everything when Chuck was here and was just doing his thing and just weeding his way through the, the trash, if you will. and Because if you look back, and even when Chuck was here, the drafts are still pretty good. Like I've had a lot of conversations with people on Twitter being like, hey, I understand that you're frustrated with the Hextall picks because they didn't really pan out the way we wanted them to, but hey... Not the same thing for the Chuck Fletcher picks yet. Like, you can't... Because Chuck Fletcher's first pick was who, Danny? Cam York. Cam York. So, y- y- you gotta be careful when you start talking about, oh, every Flyers draft pick in the last six, seven years has been a bust because those guys are still to be be determined. I mean, you got Cam York, Tyson Forrester, uh, uh, Samu Tuamala, Cutter Gauthier. Mate Mitchkov. That's all of Flair's pick so far. So I yeah. Be now patient. they finally got their guy too. So you know they're beaming with joy. Like we talked about, been it. so impressive with the late round steals, and I think that's telling as well. Like oh, yeah. I feel like a lot of organizations can kind of I don't want to say punt their late round picks, but the Flyers they really like they get excited about it. They do. They yep. they have their guys, especially late in the draft. They take them. And the missing link for the longest time here is, I mean, the scouting, the drafting was there, but the development wasn't. And now they've tinkered with that 
and has changed it. And we, we haven't seen the results of it. We don't know if it's good yet, but mm-hmm. it's being worked on. And if they can get the development part right, oh boy. I mean, it's look about at to get fun. Look at Devin Kaplan. Was he a third round pick? And he's a guy who I'm pretty sure he was a third round pick. And he plays for Boston University, had a pretty solid freshman year last mm-hmm. year with them. Pretty sure he's playing with Team USA right now with Cutter on the same team. I could be wrong on that. Somebody fact check me. But with Boston University last year in 40 games, he had 10 goals, 13 assists, 23 points. So he's another guy that you look at. Could be something. He was a yeah third round pick, 69th overall by us in 2022. This year we went goalie heavy. We got a couple of goalies. So there are a lot of a lot of picks still yet to be determined from the Flair draft and. Speaking of Flair and how you said that he, they finally got their guy, they finally got their guy, and I you can confidently say that because Flair was on Jason. Uh, how do you say his last name, Danny? I always butcher his last name. Mertitis. Yes, Jason Mertitis is. I believe it was Jason's uh, show, and they were talking about the 2022 draft, and I think it was towards the end. Jason was just like, "Hey, I know it's a really far time away, but." Can we talk about the 2023 draft real quick? And don't remember every like exactly what was said, but I I do remember Flair being like, yeah, because he was asked about the uh the, the Russian factor because all that shit was going on. He Flair basically turned around and was like, yeah, I'd pick Mitchkov second overall and not even blink. So, how do you think Flair was feeling when he was standing up on the podium watching Mitchkov walk down that aisle, ready to grab a Flyers jersey at seventh overall? Like he's laughing at other GMs like ha ha ha. No fucking way did I just sit here and have this guy land on my lap. And now I'm watching him walk down this aisle with orange and black flyers colors beaming and from we, the ground. And we might get his line mate next year. Like, we're not even done yet. That's the that's the bet. We have Florida's pick, which, yes. unless it slips into the top 10, will be ours. It will not. I mean, Kachuk's going to miss a good portion of the beginning of the season, but I don't think they're bottom 10 bad. So I think we're going to have. Very exciting. Extremely and yet high another picks. reason to watch this year. I mean, I'm just excited to track that. Yeah, track absolutely. the standings, track Florida. Because I'm excited with the foundation we have here now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about adding to it. I mean, I'm beaming with joy at, at the thought of getting a top five pick in next year. And I've and said that, it. I've already said it to you. I genuinely think, I don't even care where the picks end up. What picks we have, what pick Florida is. I do not see him using both those picks next year. I see him trading both those picks to try to move up. I really do. I know it's so early. It's so early to to throw something like that out. But I don't know. Clip this. Do whatever you got to do. Remember what I said. It would be be a a huge power play. But it does make sense because he didn't have to do it this year. He didn't didn't have to fire that bullet this year. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I mean, we, we haven't even talked about Bonk at all. I mean, he's another guy who, because of Mitchkov, kind of goes underneath everything. But he's another guy that you look Dude, at, he could be top four if he develops the right way. His dad played 14 years in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Dale Hunter is his coach. Keith Jones has a lot of connections with Dale Hunter. So I, you just know that there was a lot of conversations, glowing endorsements, if if they were to draft him, and they did. So... He, he's not quite all there with his frame and his development, obviously. It's going to take a while. He's a defenseman. But mm-hmm. 
when he gets there, I think he's going to be a, a great counterpart to what we already have in yeah, our puck movers. Dude, he's so intelligent at the scrimmage that I watched, I mean, that I went to during development camp. I mean, a lot of people were there. Shout out to the Flyers fans who just crowded the fuck out of the skate zone. I mean, me and Sitka couldn't even move when we walked in. But his decision-making, his quick decision-making when a player is on top of him, and I'm talking about Bonk, is excellent. Like you said, his frame has got to get bigger, which it will. He's a baby. He's a literal kid. Um, but the fact that he has the IQ and the puck moving now is, I mean, that's not something that you can really teach. So, I mean, you can let him grow into his frame. You can you can teach him how to skate. You can teach him all these other things. But hockey IQ is something that, some dudes are born with, some dudes are not. Like Mishkov, extremely, extremely high I- hockey IQ. I mean, look at him. We haven't even talked about the fact that he's thinking about making a change to center. That he already, apparently the GM of his team in Russia brought up to him before Mitchkov was able to bring it up to the GM. So it was kind of like a, a mutual decision, but it was brought up to Mitchkov before he had the chance to say anything. So that's another thing that none of us were talking to. And the fact that he might be a center. <laughs> I mean, that's incredible. If, if we Dude, have, I love that he studied Crosby, too, because I, I think it's fitting. It is fair. That's something Derek said, too. That's like the one player that Mitchkov could study and actually try to emulate that you wouldn't laugh at. Like, anybody else. Like, if Logan Cooley was like, yeah, I watched fucking Sidney Crosby tape, you'd laugh at it because you're like, you don't have the body. You don't have yeah. the edge. I mean, he has the edges, but it just he doesn't have the overall IQ and, and frame and edges to Yeah, to, just to the play. well-balanced game. Yeah. The, the, he's, like, mid-sized. He's not big. He's not exactly. small. And Mishkov is the Honestly, guy. He's guy. a strong, like, I'm sorry to interrupt no, you. But he, he has, like, a strong, like, lower body mm-hmm. as well. Like, his calf muscles. You can Huge. tell he's been working on that. Like, he takes, like, his strides are really efficient. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I think, and just his IQ. I think Crosby is a great comparable, to it be is. honest. It is. Um, before we end this, which has been a fun one, we're just going back and forth, talking some hockey. Haven't done that in a while. But we do have some questions about four of them. So the last 10-ish minutes will will be this. First one will be our day one, bleed orange and black. What are the realistic expectations with the defense and goalies? He's got a year left, but any thoughts on Hart's contract? Expectations for Coots after an off year? What progress do you want to see from Frost, Tippett, York, and Zamula? Almost to 100 pod, guys. So fucking proud of y'all. Let's fucking go, TLY. Love you. Love you, Bleed. You're our guy. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll answer this question in in section. So what are your realist expectations with the defense and goalies? Defense, not very high, man. I'm just kind of looking at York's development, what Travis Sanheim does, if Ristolainen can continue his solid play. Because Sean Walker, I mean, he's going to play, but he's not going to be any much of a factor. Um, not much for the defense, to be honest with you. And the goalie situation is still kind of up in the air with the Canada investigation still going on. Don't know what the, what the fallout's going to be from that. Cal yeah, Pe- we have three goalies right yeah. now. Yeah, Cal Pedersen, so. you got Erson in the AHL, San- not, not Sanchez, Erson. So it's not, I really, I don't really have, ask me that question like towards the end of training camp, and I'll give you a better answer. Because right now, I don't really have any expectations for either of those positions, except defense in a couple of spots with York, and if Andrea makes the team, that'd be awesome. Zamula, if he gets some consistent playing time, that would be really cool. Um, 
but not much for me I, from I that. I kind of expect more of the same as last year. <laughs> just yeah, like just below average <laughs> yeah. defensive play or horrendous defensive play and yeah. goalie that's doing all he can, but even Martin Brodeur wouldn't be good behind that defense exactly. kind of thing. Exactly. Uh, with the Hart contract, um, thoughts on Hart. What are your thoughts on Hart, Danny? I, I guess we just have to wait and see what what's the deal with this thing. I, to be honest, I'm tired of hearing about it. I feel like I've heard it for the last three years. No bullshit. And I, and I'm, I just hope it gets over with. I think it. I, I think soon. it's already like the investigation's done, and the the five names are gonna come out soon. But I don't know what the names are. Good. I'm glad. Like, let's just get this over with. Let's just see if he was involved or not. Um, just like I said, it's been a story for a while now, and. Yeah. The way the Flyers are operating with the goalie situation kind of leads you to believe that he, he could be involved, but yeah, don't, I don't, don't want to speculate. Yeah, don't like want to speculate so at all. Expecta- we just wait and see, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Expectations for Coots after an off year. Um, I mean, for a, after a year off. I don't really have any expectations for him per se. I just kind of want him to get back and doing what he loves and playing hockey and being okay. Like I just want him to be able to play eighty-two games. That's all I want from Couturier. I don't have any kind of crazy... I'm not like, oh, go score 70 points this year or you suck. I just go out there, stay healthy, do well yeah, on the kids that you... Do well on the kids that play next year because he'll probably be playing next to probably Tippett or Farabee or some some young kids that he's going to have on his wing. So just be a good veteran for them, stay healthy, and do your thing. He's a really, really good hockey player. So I mean, it's going to be fun watching number 14 back in orange and black. Back in that new orange jersey. It's going to be cool, dude. Fucking see Kashawn Kateri with no teeth again, like smiling. I, I miss watching that motherfucker play, man. It's going to be cool. So just stay healthy, Kuth. That's my that's my expectation for you, buddy. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that because I think as long as he's healthy, he'll be like good. He'll be effective. His game doesn't really require much athleticism. He kind of <laughs> all IQ, all stick positioning. I don't really think he's going to lose it. In that regard. I think we'll be fine. So I think it's just all about availability. I yeah. agree. Stay healthy. Our boy Adam, how many goals does Tippett score this season? And with a winky face, because the winky face, because I asked this question a couple days ago on our account. And I would say 20, 28, 29. I don't think he hits 30. Danny? I'm saying 33. Ooh. I like it. I like it. I think, I think him and Frost are going to hook up for a lot this year. I need that. That'd be tough. Um, another question. I don't know how to say this. This this dude's first Savaline for Forest. I don't know really how to say it, but he he doesn't interact with us a lot. So I'm sorry that I butchered your name. I'm terrible with names if you haven't noticed. Is it possible that the Flyers and Cates already had a deal in place, and then they just asked Noah to file for arbitration because it just conveniently made the Tony D'Angelo buyout possible? The situation seems seemed convenient, and Cates seemed out of the character in filing for arbitration. Yeah. No, I think that's totally what happened because they quickly got the deal done. Right it never, it never <laughs> even Yeah, it never had a chance to go to arbitration. And both sides seemed content. There was no noise about it. It was very quick to the point. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's – and it worked for both Carolina and Philadelphia in the end. And it was, it was a, another creative move by Briere. So, like, even the people who were hating on Briere, like, I'm not saying he's Yeiserman, but yeah. you can't deny the creativity. That, and we've lacked it in the past. And to see it from a guy in his first year, like, you could just tell he's been studying. 
You could tell he's been he's been reading the rule. He went to business school. He's been mentored by intelligent hockey people. You could just tell, and I think it's a good start. But are you we talking about the, seen a lot of things? You're talking so. about the backlash that he got for the Hayes trade. Just for honestly, for the summer, like I've seen some people like, oh, he should get more. Yeah, he didn't do enough, and like, oh, the Krug trade fell through, and just stuff like that. Well, do you know why those people are saying that? Because they're looking over at Chicago, who stripped everything down to the fucking steel beams, and they want us to do the exact same thing. And Briere said, "We're not fucking doing that. We're gonna, we're rebuilding, absolutely, but we're not stripping the entire team organization down to the studs and redoing it. That's not what's going on here. That is." It's a re- that's a rebuild, but that's like rebuild times a thousand. What we're doing is trying to find guys that are actively in the organization that could be part of the core, the younger guys in the next two, three, four years. So you want a not a winning culture, but you want like a little winning bubble in the like you don't want to just lose all the time. I don't know how to explain it, but you just don't want the the mindset of just hey we're gonna strip this down and just lose games because that's what we want. No, we we want to be competitive. Watch guys develop. Watch young guys develop, and obviously lose games because we're not a veteran team with 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 elite players. But do that and, and see where you end up because you never know. Like we said in the beginning of the podcast, they they might not be end up being as bad as we think they are. Maybe a couple guys do take a couple steps, and then you find out. Okay, this guy is a part of my core, and this guy isn't. You know what I mean? Like you're not just stripping everything down and trading away Alex DeBrinca and trading away Kirby Doc. Like we're not sitting here trading away fucking. I mean, who, who's a comparable to fucking Alex DeBrinca, who's 25 years old, 24 years old, and scores 30 goals? Like Tippett. Like I don't even know who you would comp- like. We're not trading Tippett away, and then who are you going to compare Kirby Doc to? Like Kadogoche? Uh, he was their pick a couple years ago. We're not doing that. That's not happening. So stop, stop. Blows my mind, these people, man. Like, we're, that's not what's fucking happening. And people that were complaining, like, oh, Lawton's still here. Oh, this guy's like, like I said, Briere was not trading everybody away in a fucking fire sale. Briere sees Lawton and he wants the value that he believes that Lawton should bring back. And if Lawton is, if, if, if teams are calling us up offering for a first round pick for Lawton in the offseason, what are they offering in? the trade deadline when, when two of their left wing and their centers are down and injured and out for a couple months. You know what I mean? Like, be patient. I promise you, Scott Lawton's not going to be here when we're competing for fucking Stanley Cups. I promise you. The dude's almost 30. You know what I mean? He's a great locker room guy. Don't get me wrong. He's a fucking, he's a great dude. But he's an okay player. He's a third, fourth line player on a Stanley Cup team. And if a team is offering a first round pick for you in the offseason, what are they doing? And the trade deadline. You know what I mean? So just be patient, people. Be patient. Briere is doing his thing. He unloaded Provorov, Hayes. Uh, I'm, I was going to say JVR, but he just kind of let him walk away. <laughs> <laughs> but he unloaded two huge guys. I mean, D'Angelo's another one, but I mean, I wouldn't have been too mad if D'Angelo was on the team next year. I mean, that's kind of a. Ugh. He had one year left on, with $5 million left. It wasn't that big of a deal. But getting Provorov out of here to give that time to York is beautiful. And then obviously, Hayes. Like, be patient, people. It's not all going to happen in one fucking offseason. And it's like the, the the reason the Blackhawks did all that tearing down wasn't because they wanted to just get rid of those players. Like, they wanted Connor Bedard. Like, they, yep. they really want, they wanted to be historically bad to get Connor Bedard. And we got lucky. We skipped all of that and hit the jackpot with Mitchkov. Crazy. And 
we don't have to do all that all of that tearing down. We got our generational player. We got our franchise guy. And we have Gauthier alongside him. And we have more coming in 2024, hopefully. We didn't have to do it. Like, we, we got really lucky. Like, it may, our strategy yeah. might not be the blueprint, but it happened. I mean, same thing with the Rangers like and the yeah. Devils. Like, sometimes you just get lucky. It's a great point, man. Look at the fucking Devils. Their defensive core, prospect core, makes my stomach turn. They have Luke Hughes and Simon Nemich just chilling. You know that, that meme of that of that cartoon character smoking in the corner with the hood on? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's fucking Nemich and, and Luke Hughes, dude. Just in the wings waiting to join that team. That's already fucking awesome. Like, it's just... I always awesome forget about those and dudes. cost controlled. Like yeah. if you like look Jack on the cap friendly, nothing for what he's going to be in fucking chest pain. Their cap friendly <laughs> is chest, chest pain. pain. <laughs> they did a beautiful job with the cap. That's how you build a team, and, and like I mean, not just how you build a team. That's how you build a Tampa Bay Lightning. Yep. In, in a modern day NHL, and, and it's scary, but I finally feel like we're on the way to competing with them, and I'm excited for the battle for years to come because I want to get in their way. Because they're going to be real good, and they're going to be Dude. consistently contending. They're and I want to be that team that's in their way for all those years. I want Mishkov to be in their way the whole time. I go to Cat Friendly, and they're top four guys on the forward core. Timo Meyer, Jack Hughes, Jesper Bratt, Nico Heischer. Timo Meyer is 26, Jack Hughes is 22, Jesper Bratt is 25, Nico Heischer is 24. All these guys are making less than $9 million, and all these guys, except Nico Heischer, are locked up past 2027. And the cap's going to go up by $10 million in two years. Imagine what it's going to be in four years they got, or five years. They got Jack Hughes locked up till I'm 30 years Dirt old, Dirt cheap. They're building the next Lightning slash Bruins. Fuck. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> Fuck, dude. <laughs> that's they why got... I'm really hoping they don't get a, a stud goalie. Cause the one, <laughs> yeah, because you know it wasn't one, Blackwood. Like, question mark. Yeah. I had people tell me Blackwell was better than Hart for fucking three years. They're like a stud goalie away from being a problem. And I was, <laughs> for a problem. little bit, I was thinking to myself, like, dude, what if they get, like, Hellebuck or something? Suddenly this gets real scary. Now, but. he is, that's exactly the place that I was thinking about for him, to be honest. I was like, suddenly this gets real scary. Yeah, suddenly this turns back into it. My, my dad was throwing TVs out of fucking windows, dude. Yeah. Like, that back in those rivalry. That's why he hates the devil so much. Like, growing up, I've always hated the devils because my father has always been like, hey, we hate the fucking devils. But I've never actually had a reason to, except like well, remembering Kovalchuk. Kovalchuk and like a little bit of Patrick Elias that I remember. But other than that, don't really remember anything to give me a reason to genuinely hate them. But now, like the last two years, year and a half, I'm starting to see it, man. <laughs> I, I cannot stand New Jersey. Well, dude. like, you can just feel it building, right? Like, it, yeah. it hasn't even happened yet. Like, the hatred, the the rivalry <laughs> yeah. being renewed. Like, it we hasn't suck. Even... <laughs> yeah, we suck right now. We're not even there yet. But, like, me and you as Flyers fans, we could see it. Like, that's going to be that's gonna be a battle. Like, that rivalry is about to get renewed in a big way. Let me throw a scenario at you. And we're about to hate the Devils. You ready? Yep. Mitchkov plays center this year. For uh, for his KHL team, destroys the KHL. I'm talking like 30 goals, 30 assists. Like I'm talking insane numbers. Do you think he 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 finds a way to come over? Yeah, I do too. Yes, I do. 
And that's not us saying we have any inside fucking source. It's just a gut feeling from what he said during interviews, from what I've heard from the GM of the team talking about how they decide when players come over. They usually decide a player is ready yeah. to come over when they're ready to be a top line or a top line or a top pair player for the team that they're going over for. If they're going to be playing in the bottom six or in the AHL, they don't want them over there. Stay in Russia, develop close to home, do your thing here. But if they're ready to be a top line player, which Mitchkov right now, nobody would be blocking Mitchkov and playing top six minutes on the Philadelphia Flyers right now. Absolutely fucking nobody. But. At the same time, you do want to see him destroy the KHL first and then eventually make his way over, which I do think if he does that this year, I think we could start talking about the possibility of him maybe getting out of that contract. And it's not even getting out because if you read that article, I'll send it to you, Danny. Well, yeah, That's what the quotes felt like. The yeah. quotes felt like if he proves it, I won't deny him. He just has to prove it. I mean, obviously, we could be taking his words as gospel, that GM, but like that's yeah. what it read to me. It was like if he is undeniable... I won't deny him. Uh-oh. And so if he comes out this year and he's like the best player in the KHL, I don't think he's going to tell him no. I don't think so either. But what – what did something bad just happen, Danny? Because Nick, Nick, Nick Cassiano just hit a two-run shot. <laughs> so something happened. <laughs> check on your fam, bro. Check, check on your friends or something. <laughs> that check dude, on this, bro. <laughs> facts, bro. Something always bad happens when that dude goes yard. But – I agree with you completely with Mitch Kov. If that dude destroys the KHL this year, I just I know he's under contract for the next two years, but it's just a gut feeling, man. I think he gets out of the contract before. I really do. We'll see, right? Mitch Kov versus Hughes is is going to be crazy. Bring it. I'll be blacked out somewhere at a bar or actually in the stadium. I'm ready, dude. I'm ready now, man. Like, Can these two years go by quick? I got Cutter Gauthier and fucking Matthew Mitch Kov. Are you kidding me? With with Cam York too, I know I'm getting too crazy. I'm just, I'm such a homer, dude. But it I'm feels, such but a dude, homer. No, because like we went from I know. rock bottom, not that long ago. I went like, from really not that long ago, feeling like there was no light at the end of the tunnel to a quick 180. And that, that's what getting quick. a guy. That's what getting a player like Mitchkov does. I mean, it, that's just the reality of it. Like we went it just from, it feels like a jackpot was hit. We went from Ron Hextall signing Dale Weiss and tying off. He's a twenty. 20 goal score to legitimately having the second a GM best prospect. with a real plan and I believe he actually can take the steps forward unlike Ron Hextall like Ron Hextall was real good at getting assets and cashing them in or whatever but yeah. I feel like Danny Briere is going to be good at filling out the entire timeline maybe I'm giving him too much credit yeah maybe but, you are but hey it's hey wait and see right now because but at least I have hope just the hope. creativity I'm seeing. Like I think when the time comes, he will be aggressive. I don't think he's scared to pull. And Keith Jones either. I don't think these are guys who are necessarily scared to pull the trigger. Like these are guys who are under learn from Paul Holmgren and shit. Like they are not scared to pull the trigger. Yeah. The Flyers' culture in the past has never been gun shy. Trust. Oh no, that's where it's still to be determined though. When 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 they're finally able to make that pivot to doing what they're doing now to signing six-year free agent deals and, and bringing star guys in with trades and free agency. That's really real, That's really where I want to see Briere work because, like you said, we've seen so many GMs, especially Hextall, being so good at acquiring assets, acquiring draft picks, acquiring young players. 
But you never, you, he was never able to make that next step into contention to bring those guys in onto the team or or trade a couple of young prospects that you like and cash in on them. Was never able to do that. I'm really, I, I have the utmost confidence in Briere to do what he's to continue doing what he's doing now with drafting and and and, and giving uh, spots to younger guys and doing all that. But my main thing with with him. And we have nothing to back go back on and, and, and give as a comparison is that next step, is acquiring free agents, is acquiring guys via trade and making these awesome little deals like a fucking Because well, like that's been the hang up, you know? Absolutely. For, for, for the last two regimes, it's it's been, yeah, you guys draft well and I think that's just the scouting team mainly, to be honest with you, at this point. I think that's kind yeah. of proven. But <laughs> you yeah, listen to you your scouts, dr- well. I said, no, Hexel yeah. didn't even listen to a scout. So if, if you listen yeah. to a scout, me or Hoiskinen would be here. So he doesn't, like, Hexel didn't listen to anybody, dude. At least Chuck, like, Chuck sucked, but at least Chuck listened to the dudes who worked for him. Like, okay, Flair, you, you yeah, do Chuck this for tried. a living. Yeah, he actually he was just listened. just bad. He, just, he, he sucked at the things he had to do himself. But, like, listening to Flair and the scout team, he was good at that. I mean, it's not hard to listen to people. Like, oh, you like him? Cool. We'll go, yeah, we'll go with him. <laughs> you like Kodogoche? Cool. Awesome. But I think, I think Briere is going to be better at finding, like, the right fit for the timeline. I hope If so. that makes sense. Like, he's not just going to get a, a Cam Atkinson <laughs> or, like, just do, like a random guy like that who just doesn't fit the timeline. Like, he's yeah. not going to get, like, a Ryan Ellis. Like, I think when he finally fires his shot like, like Chuck did, I don't think he'll miss. But hope not. We'll see. We'll see, man. I just don't think this regime is going to be giving out those contracts like candy or d- giving up those commitments like candy because they're they're yeah. clearly focused on the cap and relieving it, and they're clearly excited about Mishkov coming over, and when he does, he's going to be cheap. and it, It's a big point of emphasis for the organization now, so I don't think that yeah. they would just like go back on everything that they did um, a couple of years later. I think they're teeing up something, and when the time comes, it, it'll be a fit. But Cheers to optimism, baby. Cheers yep. to optimism. Let's run it. Go back next week with Anthony. Anthony DeMarco for episode 100 next week. It might be a little longer episode. Who knows? Who knows what we have in store for episode 100, but we do know that we have Anthony DeMarco, Mm -hmm. and it's going to be a fun one. But this was episode 99 of the Liberty Yell. You can follow us on all socials at the Liberty Yell. Follow us on Twitter at T-L-Y Danny and at Chris Stumps. Go floor.